Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, babes? Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Sam Silber, who has been writing for Japers Rink for how long, Sam? Uh, when did I start? December? So two months, I believe. Well, I mean, Almost two months. Before that, you've been doing a lot of writing kind of around. You do a lot of work for Post Sports and some other stuff. So why don't you just kind of give our listeners just an overview of kind of who you are and, and like kind of how you're into hockey. Yeah, for sure. So, Sam, obviously. Uh-huh. <laughs> I went to a Caps game when I was about nine years old um, and fell in love with it. Um, and then just also liked writing but didn't really know that I wanted to be a writer until I graduated high school and was like, maybe I should try to combine my love for hockey and writing and see if I'm any good at it. Um, so that brought that brought me obviously um on a path that i've been so blessed to be on um so i've written for i started out with fanside and then worked for the hockey writers for uh, a couple years and then now i'm or went to the sports capital and then they got bought so now i'm with post sports and you fantastic people at japers so i'm very very happy very happy to be working with y'all well we're very fortunate to have you um, oh, thank you. You know, you've been spending a lot of time kind of around the rink. Um, you know, you had some like a great piece about uh, Jacob Rana and kind of how he's, you know, it, that was in like that that big skew of a week, right? Where all of a sudden everyone was talking about like mm-hmm. how he was playing so well, how hard he's working, and um, you know, you had some great insight there. So, kind of, what have you seen from him that's really impressed you so far uh, this year? Yeah, I mean, you look, you look at a guy who is trying to prove, you know, and, and wants to show everybody that he's a top six guy. Um, and, you know, with some of the Caps prospects and last season, there was a lack of depth um, on the wing. So he was somebody who was really expected to step up. And he he did a decent job last season, but what you're seeing from him this season is a very good all-around performance. At the rink, he's out there maybe for 
about an hour after practice ends. He's still skating, um, working on a shot, working on, you know, his puck movement, puck control. And you, you can see it in his work ethic. He's very, he's maturing. And that's a, that's a big factor into it too, is, you know, he's still a kid. He's still someone who's, I mean, besides uh, Siegenthaler's the youngest guy in the room. So you see him maturing and you see him wanting to succeed and he's clicking on that second line with Kuznetsov and, uh, and, you know, Oshi. Um, and he's, he's able to get in dangerous scoring areas. He's able to handle the puck very well. He's able to make those sneaky shots and he comes up big and he's a very coachable player as well. So I think over time you're seeing an evolution of him having personal growth as well as growth on the ice and practice himself as well. So amazing to see definitely for sure. Now that's, that's really interesting. I mean, I kind of look at his kind of overall, uh, you know, point production, right? I mean, we we talk Mm -hmm. a good bit about, uh, you know, Andre Burakovsky when he was playing well is kind of, he, he had very, very good, um, point production on a, on a per 60 minute basis and kind of mm-hmm. Rana really has had that growth this year. Um, yeah. and, and he's kind of, it's slowed down a little bit here over this last stretch, obviously with the Capitals not winning. Uh, he did get, oh, for sure. he, he got kind of the fluky goal, uh, against Vancouver on Tuesday night, which was, yeah. uh, I think, you know, it ended up being the game winner. So that was, it ended up being pretty important, but, um, mm. When you see a guy kind of putting in this hard work, do you think that his? I guess what I'm trying to figure out, it kind of, I'm not around the room or anything. Is what does it make kind of the guys on the team think? You know, is is this is it is it the kind of thing that really stands out to them that sticks out in their mind? Oh, absolutely, for sure. I mean, talking talking to the guy, you know, he's the guy. You know, Verona, I, you know. I, I want to laugh every time, you know, he makes a joke. He's incredibly funny. So he adds that very positive morale and he shows that he can still joke around, but also carry himself well. And what it means to a lot of guys in the room, especially the older players, they're happy to see him succeed. They're happy to see him finding that success because they know that to be on a team and to succeed in this league, you need to put in more what he's doing. And not only is he working hard and, you know, people are taking notice, especially the coaches as in the room, you know, his skill set impresses everyone. I mean, even Travis Boyd talks about Verona's shifts. He says that he watches like a fan because he's like, he's so fast and he can do so much with the puck that the plays he makes, you know, literally leaves him stunned from the bench. You know, when you hear, when you hear like words were like, I just think to myself, sick. And, you know, just seeing that, seeing the impact he has with his mentality, just, just that he's an all around, you know, positive and hardworking guy who brings a lot to the locker room and brings a lot to the ice, but also is a guy who, you know, they can joke around with and watch grow fun stuff. He, you know, he's he's still a kid. Who doesn't love kids? Some people, but <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of kids. But, <laughs> but other people tend to like them. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, oh, yeah. that's a good way to put it. 
So uh, the Capitals kind of, you know, they came out of the All-Star break and they had just been struggling and struggling. You know, they went seven or eight games without a win. Um, you know, it felt like they just they just couldn't ever put it all together. I mean, one of the games that they really felt like they played okay was, you know, the San Jose game. They're winning and then they give up a goal with a second left. And, you mm. know, the goaltending wasn't there, but also they weren't limiting opponent shot quality good enough. Um, yeah. Like, what kind of are you seeing with the team, and, and what, if anything, are you kind of concerned about as we get close to the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, you look, obviously, the losing streak raised a lot of different concerns. You saw them, at first, kind of struggling with special teams, and that was, you know, the start of a whole problem in itself, and you saw the offense kind of struggling to convert, and as the streak, you know, as the skid kind of increased, they decided that the best technique, I don't think they decided, but I think the mentality was, okay, we just need to get pucks on net and go chance for chance. And, you know, if we go chance for chance and we're playing a lot on net and not really focusing so much on the defensive aspect, we're going to at least put up goals on the board. But then that led to a whole problem of you can't go chance for chance, especially against a team like San Jose or, you know, any, any team with a, you know, stealthy offensive arsenal of course i mean it's common sense but what you also saw i mean was you know sluggishness in their own zone you know they weren't really focusing on back checking they were getting beaten a lot in one-on-one battles turning over the puck you know and and some of these things are a concern but you also have lines that weren't really clicking you know you weren't seeing a lot from you know ovechkin backstrom Oshie, they're top players for sure, but the line didn't necessarily click. The fourth line, the, you know, with, um, I forget what the combination was that worked really well, was Boyd, Gashkin, and then I believe Dowd. Yeah, Dowd or DSP, yeah. Yeah, Dowd or DSP. It was one of those combinations that was working really well, but you saw it kind of shuffle when the line lost a lot of steam. You know, the bottom six guys weren't putting up the numbers that they should have been. And, you, you know, you, you saw dry spells from a couple guys and you also saw some defense or defenders kind of leaving, you know, their partner, you know, out to dry a little bit. You know, you've seen Siegenthaler a couple times. He's still a rookie and he'll be left one-on-one on the back check. And he's still, you know, developing and can't necessarily always beat guys one-on-one. Um, no matter how good he is, you know, you're always improving. Um, so those are a couple concerns I'm seeing is they need to strike a balance between putting up offense without necessarily going chance for chance the other way or giving up, you know, high quality scoring opportunities and not giving their opponents the time and space to score. But you also think about the trade deadline. You look at the goaltending as well. The goaltending's not that impressive and yeah you can accredit that to defense but you know you need to have good goaltending you need to have a deep roster and going into the deadline you look at the numbers in the crease and you look at production from some guys you know like Burakovsky and there's some questions to be raised there so those are just a few concerns that I'm personally seeing yeah I mean the one thing I guess that I find interesting is that a lot of people seem to think and yourself included you kind of said it was a common sense that like the 
trading chances is like a, a bad thing and and it is kind of a bad right. thing but mm-hmm. the one thing i've been kind of been trying to like we we talk about you know isabel kershudian wrote, wrote about this last year about how the capitals were playing a system where where their goal was essentially just to like they don't care about just getting shots like they're all about shot quality and you know historically the capitals have always been a team that outperform like even shot quality metrics because they have like the elite finishing talent, right? You have like Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, you know, Oshi, you know, you know, shockingly, like a guy like Brett Connolly shoots, like traditionally shoots well above like his expected shooting percentage every year. Um, and then you have this like significantly or goaltending that you generally would consider to be well above, you know, average, right? You got guys that you'd expect to save more goals than you'd expect to give it to save more goals than you'd expect, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying. It's have like a good GSAA. Yeah. And, I speak out. <laughs> so, I mean, the, so in that respect, like if you're trading chances, but your team has the higher, or, or at least even in one of those two categories and better in the other, shouldn't theoretically mm-hmm. trading chances be a good thing for your team in the long run? And I guess like that's something that I, I, I found interesting is people, to, like the, the team included saying that they don't like that mm-hmm. they've been trading that they don't think trading chances is the right way. Hopey being upset about trading chances. But in my mind, with talent like this on the roster, you should win more than you lose if chances are 50-50. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a that's a valid point. I, I think it's a double-edged sword for sure. Because you want... If you look at Washington, it's very unique because you also see them take some, you know, quite a number of low-percentage shots. And you see a team that has all of this talent, you know, but at the same time while having that talent, sure, if you're trading chances and, you know, you might get a little sloppy on defense, at least you have your top pieces. The case of seasons that a lot of the time, you know, those guys aren't always going to step up. And I would say, I would personally say, yeah, if you had all four lines that make themselves a threat when they're on the ice, sure. You know, I mean, go chance for chance. But you also look, you look at the Cavs' blue line situation and you look at some of the guys they have on the forecheck who turn over the puck, you know, can't make it back in time. And it it also depends on the teams that you face. Yeah. You know, if if you face a San Jose that has, you know, a Pavelski, a Hurdle, a, you know, Kitter, you run into those problems of, okay, you know, we have weapons, but they have weapons too. And it's kind of like playing with fire. And while you do have those weapons, you're going to run out of steam at some point. I personally believe you're going to run out of fuel because you're going to play this game and see and kind of expect to win all these battles. And then out of nowhere, it's going to come and, and kind of kick you in the butt later on. If, if, that, if that's the most um, formal way I can put it. But, you know, you also want to hold everybody accountable yeah. on the ice. And if you're leaving your goaltender out to dry, especially like, you know, if, if Holpe's off his game or, mm-hmm. you know, someone's just returning from injury or, you know, you have a young guy like Siegenthaler on the back check who, you know, easily gets, you know, he doesn't always easily get beat one-on-one, but he's still young. He's still learning. And up against, like, big veterans, they have a young blue line. So when you're playing, like, these, you know, 
hotshot veterans or guys like Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby and you're trading chances against the wrong team, you're not going to win hockey games or pick up points. Um, and it, it will mess you up. So, but there, there are, there are good points to it that you bring up that Washington has the tools to most of the time. I would agree with you. Most of the time they're going to win a chance for a chance game for sure. Yeah. And I, I guess that's kind of like the, the rub on it. Cause I mean, it, it's really like, there's still situational awareness, right? I mean, you have to be, mm-hmm. and I think that was probably the bigger problem for, for like the San Jose game in particular. It's, you know, they, they, right. they had the lead with not a lot of time left and, and they didn't have to, you know, go at it super hard, but mm-hmm. they go for that extra goal. But you know, I, I don't know. It's tough. Cause for me, it's like, if, if you only, it, I guess it kind of also depends on how you define trading chances, right? If, if you assume it's an even trade, then I think you bet on the Capitals every time. But sometimes it feels like with the Capitals and how they've been playing over the last couple months, it, it's not really an even trade. It's like the other mm-hmm. team gets like one and a half for every one the Capitals get. And I, I don't really think there's any, right. a, any amount of kind of elite finishing talent. I mean, there obviously would be an amount, but not a realistic mm-hmm. expectation that you could make up that big of a, of a chance gap with... Right. With... Um, with talent alone. And I mean, obviously it's not one and a half times, but it's not, you know, the Capitals haven't really been playing the right way uh, for a while this year. So it it definitely is coming back to haunt them a little bit. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, when you talk about chance for chance and what it means, the way I perceive chance for chance when I'm, you know, when I'm watching them is I see a team that will score a goal. You know, Washington scores, Kuznetsov scores, I don't know. And, you know, it's all happy for a second. And then you see them, you know, kind of zone out when they when they take that next phase off. And then they kind of get too comfortable. And that, com- you know, that comfort level leads to kind of a sloppiness that then leads to a goal. Yeah. also see the, okay, we need to move the puck off the ice. I'm going to make a really long stretch pass here, and that gets intercepted, and I go back the other way. Yeah. Um, so that's why it does. No, that's interesting. I mean, you bring up kind of giving up the goal shortly after scoring one, and, I don't, you know, there was a right. point in the last, like, five years, and it's – God, I wish I could pinpoint the year where it felt like every time the Capitals scored, they'd just give one up right away. You know, it was that they they could never, mm-hmm. you know, they'd always just take their foot off of, um, you know, off of the gas, right? And you know, we kind of saw that when we, you know, you could look at like the Capitals save percentage in certain situations and all this stuff, and and they really were having they just couldn't put anything together properly with the lead, and you know, they obviously haven't had a ton of leads of late. But, you know, right. it's, it slipped away in the San Jose game. They almost kind of gave it up against Calgary. Or you'd have to refer. I, I, guess, I guess they gave up a late goal to Calgary that made it within one. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it. Well, no, sorry. They tied it, and then Kuznetsov had to score the, the game winning goal. Uh, in the last minute. Yeah, in the last minute. Mm-hmm. That was what happened. I had to, like, refresh my memory there for a second. But, I mean, there was just kind of all this little stuff that the Capitals just need to be able to put it all together and get that full 60-minute effort. Um, you mentioned some of the problems maybe that exist kind of 
from a style of play. Uh, I mean, Burkowski is a big question, but are there any other pieces on the roster that you think might get moved at the trade deadline? And, and what specifically would you be going for if you were Brian McClellan? Yeah, so I think that when you look at um, pieces at the trade deadline, obviously, I mean, it's the elephant in the room. You, you talk about a guy like Burkowski, who is the textbook definition player, somebody who I think would greatly benefit from a change in scenery. You know, you we, we talked a little bit earlier about his production um, and, you know, kind of seeing him not put up the same numbers. He only has six goals, 12 points this season. Managed to put up over 20 last year in, what, I think, I think nine more games than he's played this year. Um, and, you know, the, cap, the Caps just right now, what you're seeing on their roster is you see some holes when it comes to secondary scoring, right? You see that second line is clicking. Ovechkin's doing the Ovechkin thing. Um, and Eller and Connolly can, you know, have, help a guy like DSP on the wing or help, you know, uh, Travis Boyd or somebody. But you also look at guys like, you know, Dmitry Yashkin and, you know, you look at guys who are on the bottom six and can't necessarily, you know, put up, put up production that's going to be deep enough, in my opinion, for a good playoff run. And so if I was Washington, I mean, you, you have a big piece of Murakovsky. You have a big piece right there. Is you have a guy who does have a lot of upside. Yeah, he's inconsistent and... He hasn't put up the best statistics, but, you know, he's, he's still young. You know, it's, it's not like he's 28 years old and <laughs> yeah. has been in the league forever and has never put up a point in his life. You know, <laughs> he, you know he, he has the potential to be a 20-goal scorer. Um, so what I think you want, if you're Washington, you're good down the middle. You know, you have Backstrom, you have Kuzi, you have Eller, and you have Dowd and Boyd who are two very, very good players in their own right on that fourth line and can be swapped in and out. But you see problems with guys like Yashkin and Stevenson who aren't really putting up those numbers on the wing. And you, you see with DSP too, you know, you there's inconsistency and you need scoring on that wing. Um, so I do think that's really where they could benefit for sure and where they need to look, but... They also, Brian McClellan's a smart guy. You know, what I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna trade away Burakovsky for nothing. They, I think, they would really benefit from a, a rental on the wing. You know, I even saw um, Isabel tweet today. She made a really good point that the Devils are going to be sellers at the deadline, and you know, Marcus Johansson's yeah. a pending free agent. You know, might be, might be a great rental. He's a versatile guy who can play center in the wing. Um, and, he, you know, he he's capable of offense. But I think he's also a guy who's just not feeling it in New Jersey, you know. And you look at things like that. As for, as for other places on the roster, I mean, Christian Juice is coming back soon. And, and he's proven himself very well with Washington. I personally think Siegenthaler stays. Um, don't quote me on that, but <laughs> I just said it on the radio. So I mean, I, I think he stays. I mean, I think he, he's proved an, an excellent amount. 
you know, but, but Bowie's also proven his potential too. You have a lot of good prospects on that blue line. You do look at though guys like Orlov who haven't been putting up their best performance, but I'm not sure if Washington's really gonna gonna do a lot um, there unless they make another Kempney like you know addition where it's kind of a guy who's underrated and kind of can be sculpted into a top four guy. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. You know, I, I, the Orlov Niskanen things. I mean, that pairing has not been good. Uh, I know yeah. JP <laughs> had the poll yesterday, or yesterday being either Tuesday, uh, on Tuesday, and it was about kind of how, you know, people were picking which of the two had been the bigger problem, and, and like the overwhelming response was Orlov, and I, you know, he, he kind of tweeted that he he'd strongly disagreed, and, and and I agree with him. Like I, I don't think Orlov's been good; he's been bad, but I think Niskanen's been way mm-hmm. worse. Um, right. And I think that's kind of going to be an interesting thing. Uh, you know, Orlov's a bit younger, so it's not quite as mm-hmm. concerning. Um, but the Marcus Johansson thing, that is, you know, semi-jokingly put it in our Slack like a month ago. And I was like, <laughs> you know, trade Burakovsky for, for Mojo. I mean, they're basically, I mean, Burakovsky is kind of thought of in like the same way that Mojo was kind of treated when he was here. Like he was the guy who was never mm-hmm. as good as people expected. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, there, there was more production out of Johansson than, or than we than we uh, have gotten out of Burakovsky. So, I think it's going to be an mm-hmm. interesting case. Kind of, we see what comes up here at the deadline. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on around the team right now. They're in the midst of this big home home stand. Um, yeah. <laughs> F- Philip Grubauer comes back to town on Thursday. Um, uh-huh. What are your kind of thoughts on? I mean, obviously his season hasn't quite gone as well as he would have hoped, but. Um, you know, it was an emotional week so far with with uh, Jay Beagle's return, and now we have Grubauer back to back. So, thoughts on Grubauer uh-huh. and uh, kind of what he meant, and uh, kind of what we might expect to see on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, you don't have a soul <laughs> if you didn't cry for Wednesday. Um, I, I definitely cried for sure. I mean, you you see someone who's incredibly important to Washington long after he's gone. And you can kind of say the same with Groovy. You know, he he was a guy who's been the who was in the organization for a really long time. You know, came I think he played for the, you know, Stingrays down South Carolina and then worked his way up to Hershey and then up to the NHL. He was truly one of those hardworking guys. And the thing that was interesting about Grubauer is last season he came in clutch, you know, he finished the year as the starting goaltender. Yeah. You know, he took that job for Pulpy. So I think, I think that whenever you're a backup, you're considered a backup, especially when you're standing in the shadow of someone like Braden Holtby, it can be kind of difficult to, you know, I guess a fan to see like, Oh, okay. He played for the caps. He was a backup. Like the guys in the room loved him. You know, he was he was a guy who worked incredibly hard on and off the ice. You know, he was always someone who looked up to Holtby, had great chemistry with him. You know, was somebody who, again, another very coachable player. And then now he's with Colorado, who I think is a Washington goalie burglar. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what, they have like Varley? Yeah, and then, yeah Varley and Grubauer. I mean, arguably they had Jose Theodore before us. That's but... true. 
He's still ours. He's our property. <laughs> oh, anyway, geez. but they can keep him in my books. But oh, he was my favorite. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it will be emotional. He, I mean, he's a guy who was in the organization for a long time. I'm not sure if it's up to Beagle standards, uh, yeah, just because. Not. Yeah, Beagle was like a decade-long capital and had like the whole undrafted underdog kind of story whereas um you saw Gruby kind of just work his way up but but yeah i mean it it should be fun for sure good old german boy yeah yeah exactly he (laughs) had a a great run um you know he put he put up stellar uh numbers when he was here i mean just just a great save percentage really really just a guy and, and and you know Barry Trotz made the right decision starting Philip Grubauer in the playoffs. I mean, it's easy to, you know, people did in hindsight go, oh man, you should have started Holpe the whole time. But I mean, uh-huh. Grubauer was the guy who got him there last year. I mean, the cap, I mean, if Grubauer had struggled down the stretch, there's a chance the Capitals don't even make the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. I mean, that, that, yeah. that, that is, I mean, they were not looking good. Uh, I mean, for uh, huge portions of last year and, and Grubauer, was there to pick up the slack when, when Holpe was, was, you know, just bad. So, uh, Oh, fully, fully. So it's definitely, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it'll be pretty cool. Um, and, and the Beagle stuff was, was very good. I mean, he is the guy, you know, I, I kind of forgot till it was going back around on Twitter on Tuesday that, you know, he's the only player to have won um, in the ECHL one in the AHL and the NHL, which is pretty cool. Right. Right. Yeah. No, He's amazing, amazing, amazing boy. Very good dog. <laughs> the best. Um, <laughs> Sam, I actually don't have a lot else here to add here. We're kind of heading into the rest of this home stretch, and I hope that we can kind of have you on on the other side to kind of talk more about kind of the Capitals and, and, and how they're kind of looking on this uh, run up here to the playoffs. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, but. I'll probably slack you realistically in like five minutes anyway. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you for having me. Let's hope the home stretch goes in the right direction moving forward. And, you know, more games like Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More like Vancouver, less like, uh, you know, most of the games that came before it since the turn of yeah. the year. Um, yep. Sam, <laughs> why, why don't you tell our listeners where they can follow you on Twitter if they don't already? Ooh. Yeah, shameless plug, huh? <laughs> uh, you can follow me, if you want, on the Twitter. Uh, my handle is at uh, Sammy Silber. Um, so S-A-M-M-I and then S-I-L-B-E-R. It's like silver, but with a B. So it's not cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I have Instagram too, the kid Sammy same spelling as my twitter handle if you're interested in that and yeah that's pretty much all i have follow adam everybody <laughs> <laughs> well thanks again for coming on sam really appreciate it and uh look forward to having you on again soon uh, anytime anytime on behalf of myself and sam silver thank you for listening to this episode of japers rink radio